guys, welcome to the second book review of this podcast channel. I'm I'm so sorry for this long delay. I'll admit, even I doubt if I am ever going to keep this channel up. But um, here I am, persevering, finding ways to motivate myself. So I want to try to keep it casual and fun um, in the hopes that you guys will not doze off as I ramble on. Um, okay, so for this episode, we will be talking about The Fisherman King by Katharina Muhammad Dawood. It's actually one of the finalists for the Epigram Book Fiction Prize in 2020. So the Epigram Book Fiction Prize is an annual competition that started in the year 2015 and it was initiated to promote contemporary Singapore creative writing and to reward excellence in Singapore literature. But it was only in the year 2020 that the competition was open to writers from Southeast Asia. And I first chance upon this book at Kinokuniya. Uh, what attracted me to it was the cover page. Uh, the illustration was so captivating, I, I had to pick it up. It was illustrated by Priscilla Wong. There is this um, glossy black snake that kind of blends in with the ocean, which is also in black. And then in the middle of, of the ocean waves, there is a tiny boat with a man inside it, which is safe to assume is the main character here. Um, so it definitely caught my attention and I was curious as to what is the relation between this giant snake and this little fisherman. Now, without giving away too much information, this book has a mixture of Bruneian folklore, um, mythical creature, and royal drama. Of course, it certainly is a bonus for me that there is a shipwreck element in this story. And if you guys have been following me on my personal social platforms, I have been very much into the Tang shipwreck, which I which was discovered near Pulau Belitung in Indonesia. Okay, so back to the story. The story follows Lisan, the fisherman's journey on finding his identity, uh, proof that he is of royal descendant. He disappeared for eight years, leaving his pregnant wife behind to go on this quest. Of course, this did not sit well with his wife, Bathia. Um, she remarried a couple of years during his disappearance. Um, but of course, this did not hinder Lisan from involving her in his quest when he suddenly returned many years later. Mm, okay, so for me, the best part about this quest was when Bathia asked Lisan what was the purpose of his quest and he said, You can see when you stay on the mainland how much we are forgetting. It's just like that time all over again. People are moving from water to land and speaking, dressing, thinking of things that have no place here in the water village. Our history is being stolen again, stealthily this time, by people who are making us think that it is not worth keeping after all. So, it's time for the jewels to be found again, 
and remind us what losing them the first time reminded us of. This time, I want them so badly not for me. I think I want them because. I believe in check and balances. Those words resonate with me because all those things mentioned is happening. And it made me think of all the practices that we have abandoned just because it no longer belongs to the time and place space and or space that we are currently experiencing. And ironically, the very people who are stopping us from carrying on these practices are our very own. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole for now, but I believe we can see with our own eyes, be it dance, language, fashion, how they are slowly slipping away from us. So I guess by searching, discovering, and holding on to this both tangible and intangible gems, we can be reminded of who we are. Obviously, this novel evoked profound emotions and thoughts in me. Uh, Professor Katharina even subtly highlighted the importance of mythology in a form of passed-down storytelling and how it shapes uh, the imagination, identity, and belief system of a culture. In the story, Lisan gathered information about the Nabal, mostly from the children of different tribes. So, the Nabal is this mythical snake which lives in the Borneo region. Um, some said it has the horns of a dragon. In this book, it mentioned that just one of its scale is as big as two palms held together. So, uh, maybe like a regular size plate. Um, you can go ahead and imagine the actual size of this creature. Uh, and there is an image on Google. Uh, I don't know its source. I don't know if it's real, but it is definitely intriguing. It's an image of a large snake in the waters taken from a wide angle in the year 2009 in Sarawak. And I read that different races or tribes perceive the Nabal differently. Some see it as a good omen and others see it as bad. And I was sharing this story to a 24-year-old Bruneian last year and he suddenly recalled a story his grandmother told him. Uh, when his grandmother was 9 years old, she claimed that she saw a dragon in the waters when she went fishing with her father at Tutong River, which is in Brunei. Uh, the so-called dragon hit their boat, which caused the boat to lift slightly above the water, and that's when she saw the scales. Um, I asked him what year was it when this occurred. He checked with his grandmother and it was in 1935. So, you know, it could have been the Nabao. And recently I just discovered a passed down story about a huge snake as big as a pedestrian bridge in Moa River, which is in Malaysia. Like, oh my God. Anyway, 
Before reading this book, I've never been interested in Brunei, partly because people kept telling me there is nothing there. But now, Brunei is definitely on my traveling list. Um, therefore, I believe the objective of this book has been a success. I highly recommend getting this book, guys. I can go on forever about it, but I'll leave it here for now. So, till the next podcast, stay safe, everyone, and see you guys.